I'm telling you right now, if that don't get you happy, nothing will get you happy. It will be worth it all. Amen? Thankful. What a day that will be. Can you imagine? To be able to see the one that we've served by faith, we'll get to see him by sight. And I don't know about you, but that's going to be a great day. Great day. I want you to remember Brother Milford now. He's going to be having surgery on Wednesday. He's going to be having this knee replaced. And so I want you to pray for him. Pray for Miss Betty. And uh, I understand their daughters will come up and help. And I'm extremely encouraged by that. And, uh, but I'll tell you right now, if there's ever a man in his 80s that can absolutely overcome a knee replacement, it's going to be Brother Milford. I'm telling you right now, tough as tough can be now, I'm telling you. And uh, we appreciate him. And then also, I did mention earlier, but y'all prayed for Clay. Clay went and broke his shoulder. And so uh, we need to pray for him. And uh, we don't know anything else about it as far as it's about to go see an ortho. So once you pray about all of that, I sure appreciate that. Would you open your precious Bible this morning? How many of y'all believe it's precious? I believe it's precious. Precious. And uh, open, I got to tell you where to open it to, don't I? How about the gospel according to Luke? I might have got a sun or heat stroke. I, I tell you, Brother Scotty, I, I had to just get out yesterday and put my cameras out. Amen? Had to get my cameras out and had to put some other things out to try to get some pictures and and uh, I was uh, sprucing up my tree stand a little bit, and I thought, man, got to be crazy to be out here in 90-degree weather. Amen. So y'all uh, hang in there with me. If I seem to start losing my train of thought, I'll just blame it on the sun. Amen. Are y'all alive tonight, Amen. this morning? How many of you glad to be here? Amen. Hey, I don't know about y'all, but that song ought to put some smile on your face. How many of y'all like to have a short sermon this morning? Whoa, got a few. All right, if, if you want a short sermon, then I better start here and you say amen every once in a while, all right? Act like you're, you're enjoying it, amen? Luke chapter number seven. Do y'all believe that words can change your life? Can words change your life? I believe so. We're going to look at some this morning that I think change someone's life and can also change ours. And so let's look. Let's just look at the whole account, Luke chapter seven. Verse 36, and you let the uh, Bible come to life as we read it. This is a true event. It happened exactly the way it's recorded. Let's let our minds come to life and let the Bible come to life. And let's just put ourselves there. Here's what the Bible says. And one of the Pharisees desired him, who? The Lord Jesus, that he would eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus said it meet in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. Now remember, he didn't say it out loud. He's only thinking it. He's saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now let me just stop and explain. Let me just be honest with you. This lady was a harlot. The Bible says in verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. 
There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most. And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath appointed, hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same love of little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And when they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Can four words really change your life? Sure they can. For example, I'm sorry, it's cancer. Change your life. Um, Yes, you are expecting. That'd change your life. You owe $1,000. Change your life. I hope you'll understand what's taking place here is The Lord Jesus, during his earthly ministry, a Pharisee, which was a religious man, he looked right, he talked right, he looked the part. He asked Jesus to come and to have supper with him. When he did, a woman that was of the street heard that he was there. And she came and, of course, was described how she treated the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what's amazing to me. The Pharisee never talked out loud. The Bible said he only thought within himself. He said, if this man really knew what he's letting this woman do to him, he's certainly not a prophet because if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't be letting her touch him. Now, he never said that out loud. He said it within himself. Kind of like we do all the time when we say things inside, but we never voice them. By the way, the Lord heard them whether they were voiced or not. And so the Lord looked at the man and said, look, I'm going to teach you something. And he gave a very powerful parable and said, you know, someone owed this much money, but someone else owed much, much more, and he forgave both. Who do you think would love the one that forgave the most? Of course, we know. He said the one that owed the most. There's a principle here. This dear woman realized that she was a sinner. This woman realized she had much to be forgiven for. And by the way, she loved the one very much that forgave her. I think to us today in application, I I wonder today, where are we? Where are we? Are we the woman or are we the man? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I I want you to know, I believe the four words that changed this woman's life was four in verse 48, 48. Just four words. 
I want you to look at them with me. Thy sins are forgiven. What words? Thy sins are forgiven. Now, this is a true story. This is not just an illustration. There was a woman who was on her way overseas on a flight. She called the flight attendant over and she says, Ma'am, I need help. I'm afraid I'm having a heart attack. The flight attendant stood up and started to yell across the airplane and said, Is there any doctors on the plane? Well, immediately, 63 people stood up. All 63 were doctors. Then she even went more concise and said, How many of you are cardiologists? Would you please remain standing? They all remained standing. Here's what's amazing, that these doctors were all headed to a convention for cardiac surgeons. Could you imagine how the woman and what the joy the woman felt when she realized that she was in good hands and there were plenty of enough doctors there that could absolutely diagnose, diagnose her problem and give her the remedy and the help that she would need. Can I say to you this morning, by the way, the Lord has already diagnosed our problems and He has the remedy and He has our need. Amen. Can I say this morning, He's already prescribed the correct treatment through His Word. Can I say that He has knowledge, He has enough knowledge, He knows you, He knows me well enough. Because, by the way, He knows everything about me, He knows everything about you. By the way, whether you've told anyone or not, he still knows it. Can I say he has the expertise and the ability to take care of you and me. The greatest thing that he has is a deep desire to take care of us and to see us whole again. So what about this story, this true event about this man inviting Jesus into his home and then this woman of the street coming in? Now I think it interesting, I want to ask Where are you and I in this story? Let's first look at ourselves. Are we the woman? In those days, women uh, were not involved. They were not as accepted uh, at banquets. And especially a woman like this was not accepted. Uh, We understand she would not have been invited to this man's house. So we get the impression that she was a woman. We know the Bible says her sins were many. We get the impression and we know that she was obviously someone of the streets. But we understand something about this woman that's revealed to us in this passage. Number one, she obviously sensed a desperation in her life. She knew something was missing. She knew something. She needed something. There's no doubt she had to break through some things philosophically and mentally and emotionally even to show up at this rich man's house. So she was desperate for something. Can I say not only was she desperate for something, I believe she knew she was a sinner. I believe she was deeply convicted about her sin. I believe she approached Jesus Christ in spite of all the strikes against her. I believe she gave her most valued possession. By the way, this alabaster of ointment probably would have been a a, a year's wage. And she anointed the Lord Jesus Christ with this wage, with this ointment on his head. She humbled herself and washed his old dirty feet with her hair. She surrendered herself completely in humility. 
are we the woman? (laughs) Or sadly, can I ask the question, where are we at in this story this morning, or are we this man? See, Simon was this wealthy Pharisee. He was the host of the banquet. And sometimes the host would allow the public to stand outside and maybe watch the activities that was going on outside in the courtyard. But he would never allow this woman to come in to this building. But especially when the guest was a great teacher like Jesus, he would have let people come and watch. But certainly this woman broke protocol. Here's what's amazing about Simon. Here's what's amazing. And this is what the Lord was trying to get him to understand. Simon, you're a sinner too. And Simon, you're in great need of salvation. And here's the thing. Simon did not realize it because his chief problem was blindness and it was spiritual blindness. You know, that's a real thing. To be blinded to the truth. I'm not talking about physically blinded. I'm talking about being spiritually blinded. Not being able to see what's really there, which is the most important, being spiritually blind. See, in the end of verse 39, it was easy for him. Look at it with me. In verse 39, it was easy for him to say, she is a sinner. But do you know what it was hard for him to say? I'm a sinner. Both statements are very short. Both phrases only have four words, but there's only one that's life-changing when we realize, Lord, I'm a sinner. See, here's what's amazing about Simon. He was considerate. He was uh, obviously a self-righteous man. Uh, He considered himself to be better than this woman. Uh, He sensed no need forgiveness in his own life. He was a good moral person. He was good in religion. He was good in the outward behavior. But my friend, I want you to know something. Religion has never saved a person. So which person are we this morning? Either we sense our great need for salvation or we don't. Look at Jesus' words here in verse 41 through verse 43. He teaches this parable. And Jesus, here's what's amazing. He does not deal with the amount of sin in a person's life. But here's what he deals with. The awareness of that sin in that heart. How much sin does a person have to commit to be a sinner? Great sins? How how many sins do we have to commit to be a sinner? See, Simon and the woman were both sinners. Simon was guilty of the hidden sins that nobody could see but God. And obviously, the woman's sins was very visible. And by the way, so many times in church, we focus so much on the visible sins, but it's those hidden sins that destroy us. So yes, we're much like Simon, but we have to understand that both of these, the woman and the man, they were both sinners. And the Lord Jesus is trying to teach this man something. Her sins were known. Her sins were known. But his wasn't. The only one that really recognized what was going on. Because remember, Simon has not said a word. All of this is going on in Simon's mind. He's the one that said, oh, if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't be letting her touch us. He didn't say that out loud. He said it within himself, and the Lord knew it. And so the Lord took an opportunity to teach this man, this woman's sin might be known, but I know your sin. And he did it in such a loving way. 
He didn't make a spectacle of him. He was speaking to him. He said, listen. Then he told him a story about the persons that had debt and the one that forgave them the debt. And he was trying to explain to him that this woman, because of her sin and the greatness of it, was going to love him more. I think there's a principle here. Can I ask you a question? Do any of us really desire, do any of us really think that we're so bad that we need a Savior? I want you to know something. You're looking at an old, wretched, blind sinner. At my best, the Bible says that my heart is desperately wicked. God help me to ever think that I'm walking around just because I'm the pastor of this church and say, oh, I tell you what, I'm holier than thou. No, listen to me. I'm an old hell-deserving sinner. And if I ever change my mind on that, you will not be able to stand to be around me. Sometimes I think the longer we're saved, we think we, we, God owes us something. No, listen to me. God gave us salvation and we're not deserving of it. Sometimes we walk around with our nose up in the air and we think, oh my goodness, I'm glad I'm not like this woman. Listen to me. We are like this woman. Whether we ever commit the acts that this woman ever committed, we still are sinners. And the Lord drives this point home to this man and says, listen, I want you to know, here's the point. The point is this. Both of them were sinners. They were both spiritually bankrupt and they could not pay their sin debt. Neither can we. But thank God the good news is, hey, we're all sinners. Yes, we're spiritually bankrupt. Yes, we're unable to pay our debt to God. All of us are in desperate need. All of the present, and by the way, they were in the presence of the one that can forgive them, and so are we. What an incredible moment here when Jesus said those four life-changing words: "Thy sins are forgiven." Listen to those words again. Will y'all say them with me? Let's look at them again. Let's just say them. Thy sins are forgiven. Let's break that up. Let's make the sermon those four words. Number one, thy. You know what's amazing about that one little word? It's a pronoun. Now, y'all, all of y'all English teachers, just hold tight. I know, y'all know the story. The very first message I ever preached in a church, there was an older English teacher there. I mean, it was the first time I ever preached. I was just a young, I was young preacher. I guess I was 21. Man, I thought I had lit the place on fire. I'd preached. And man, just even though I wasn't stumbling and bumbling, I got done. I'll never forget. People were going out the, you know, just for a young man to be preaching, everybody was shaking my hands. Oh, that was good. That was great. That was great. That was great. Oh, my son would walk out with tears and said, oh, that was great to see a young man preach. And my dad, hi, here comes this older lady up to me. And she's like, do they have English courses where you go to college? And I wasn't catching it yet. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you need to get in it. (laughs) And it took me a minute. I said, she just dished me. And the pastor was standing beside me. He said, I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry for what? I didn't even get what she had said. And he was like, I'm sorry. I was like, sorry for what? He said, she just basically told you you need help with your grammar. I said, well, I do. Thy. It's a pronoun. 
You know what's amazing about this pronoun? It's in the second person. Do you know who it's referencing? It's indicating the person being addressed. You know who's being addressed today? Thy, you, me. Let's make it personal. Praise God, I'm glad my sins, thy, my sins have been forgiven. Thy, I love it. He's talking to you. He's addressing you. He's addressing me. Our sins can be forgiven. And we learn at the end of the passage what made her, her for her forgiveness. Did she go and get baptized? No. Did she go and turn her life around? No. The Bible says her faith. Thy. Number two, sins. What, what's that word? We all know what this means. That means the times that when you in your life you miss the mark. That's what sins mean. It's like an archery target or a target. You're shooting. You miss the mark. That's sin. You're shooting for the wrong thing and you're hitting it every time. Sin. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Where you've erred. Where you've offended somebody. Where you have done something wrong. Where you have made a mistake. You've had a sinful desire. You've not believed. You've had no faith. You did not trust God. You were lewd maybe or rude in your actions and your words. You might have had some lustful issue going on in your life. You might have deviated from God's plan. Listen to me. Those sins, whatever they are, Bible says He'll forgive you of those sins. Do you know what keeps a lot of people from coming to church? Here's what they think. They don't think we're good enough to be here. By the way, none of us are. That's why we should be here. All of us have skeletons in their closet, but I'm thankful to be able to tell you this morning that there is one who will forgive you of their sins. By the way, I will not always guarantee you people will because they will bring them up, but I thank God He won't. These are four amazing words. Thy sins. Then look at the next one. little word, are. I have to say something, and I'm going to say this a little bit. By the way, I am serious. I'm a very serious person, but from time to time, I have to even get from not being serious because the Bible says a merry heart goes good like a medicine. And when we're talking about these sins, it's where we've missed the mark, and they are great. There's no little sin. There's no little white sin. Listen, they're all bad. But I have to say, there was a little boy who had just gotten saved, and he was sitting on a bench to an, and looking at an older man, and this older man looked upset and grumpy. And the little boy said to the man, he said, Sir, do you need to get saved? The man started Started, stared at that little boy and he said, I, listen to me, he said abruptly, he said, I have you to know. He said, I've been a deacon in the church for 30 years. He said, I've been the chairman of the deacon board for 15 years. And that little boy looked at him and says, well, he said, sir, it don't matter what you've done, he'll still save you. <laughs> and let me just say this, it don't matter what you've done, he'll still save and you say, Pastor, you believe that? Yes, I believe that. And if I didn't believe that, I'd close this Bible. I'd walk out that door never to return. Then I am a fool to preach what I'm preaching if I don't believe that He'll forgive us of every sin. No matter what you've done. I'm glad there's a bomb in Gilead. I'm glad that His blood washes us clean. 
sins. Are. It's a simple verb. Declaring and affirming the truth right now. The Bible says are. These sins are. You fill in the blank. What are these sins doing? Keeping you up at night? Destroying you? By the way, sin will destroy you. These sins. The sins you won't let go are. These. What are these sins to you and to me? What are they? Fill in the blank. Are what? Keeping you from what? Think about it. Destroying you, killing you. Here's what else sin will do. Destroy other people. Do you know your sin has an effect? My sin has an effect on other people. I want to tell you something right now. Someone that's so selfish to think that their life does not affect someone else's are foolish. And I'm going to tell you what else we are. We're selfish when we live in such a way to think that the way we live does not affect other people that we love. What are these sins? Waking you up at night? Not these sins you just cannot get forgiveness of? You just don't think you can be saved? Look, there was one of the best men I've ever met in my life. He's in heaven today. His first name was Bob. I was honored to be able to do his, be one of the preachers at his funeral. One of the godliest men I knew. But you know what he struggled with his whole life? His assurance of salvation. He just could not understand why an old sinner like him, God could save. And in his mind, he just never could understand it. I can't understand it either. I just believe it. Forgive it. Thy sins are forgiven. That's where we were trying to get to, wasn't it? What a word. It means that you've been pardoned. Your sins have been canceled. You have been loose. You've been set free. Your sins have been released from you. You've been freed from the slavery of your sin to become a servant of God. What a word. You now have the ability to follow God instead of fleeing because of your sin. Now what's this mean? What does this mean, these four words that can change people's lives? Thy sins are forgiven. What does this mean? What are the implications for us today? What does it mean to know that our sins have been forgiven? Well, here's the first greatest. Because our sins can be forgiven, we have an opportunity to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Now, I want to say to you this morning, and I know some of you say, Pastor, you say the same things all the time. Well, until you can give me something that's better, I'll keep saying them. We do not have religion here. True Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Listen to me now. It is having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. You talk to most Christians, it's a bunch of, I care right now. Being a Christian so hard. It's hard walking with Jesus. 
It's hard waking up in the morning and knowing that you're not alone, that your Savior's always there with you. Is it hard? And yes, I do know that sometimes it's hard, difficult living the Christian life, but we have a whole book of promises that are for us. It's a relationship. Just as I try and to maintain the relationships with people that I love, the greatest relationship that we should maintain is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the only way I can become God's son, God's child, is that my sins be forgiven. So when our sins are forgiven, we know that we have a possibility of having a personal relationship with God to have a right relationship with God. See, Jesus' death on the cross makes forgiveness possible. See, here it is, Brother Don. This is the great news. And this is the greatest news I ever heard. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. But praise God, Jesus loved me so much, He paid for my sin. He paid for my sin on the cross. It's just like going up here to an all-you-can-eat buffet and standing there and going, man, I'd like to eat all this. I just don't have the money. And somebody walking up and saying, here, I'll give it to you. That's what Jesus did. He paid. Listen, he didn't let sin get by. Sin had to be paid. Sin had to be punished. But I thank God we don't have to receive the punishment. Jesus Christ, his son, took the punishment. That's why he died on the cross. By the way, that's a historically true event that he died on the cross. He paid the price. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect lamb. He was sacrificed for my sin and your sin and for the sins of the whole world. By the way, it didn't stop there. He was not only put on a cross and he gave up the ghost, but then he was put in a borrowed tomb and praise God, I'm glad that he raised from the dead. If you go over there to the Middle East, someone will take you to the place of of, of Gethsemane where there's an old, old tomb there, but praise God there's no one in it. The stone had been rolled away. And by the way, the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to come out. He could have come out without the stone. He wanted to make sure everybody could see he ain't there. And I said, ain't. What's the importance of that? Because it makes us be able to have a relationship with Him. If He had stayed in the grave, we would have no Savior. We would have no eternal life. We'd have no hope. So there exists the possibility of a restored relationship with God. And I hope you know the great relationship with the Lord. If you're not saved here this morning, listen to me. You're in a good place. You can get saved today. And there ain't nothing like it. There's never any feeling in the world or knowledge of knowing that your sins have been forgiven and you've just become a child of God. Nothing like it. How many of y'all believe there's nothing like it? Because we're forgiven. Here's the second. What does this mean to us today? Yes, the most important is we can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second thing, because our sins are forgiven, there exists the possibility, listen to me now, here's where it gets deep. We should be able to restore relationships with other people too. Here's the implication. Thy sins are forgiven. Really, Lord? My sins are forgiven? All of the bad ones? All of the dark ones? All of the hurtful ones? Yes! Well, shouldn't I be able to extend forgiveness to others that have hurt me? Yeah. 
See, because we are forgiven, we're called to be forgivers. There's a good quote. Because we've been forgiven, we are called to be forgivers. Until we do, our relationship with the Lord is going to be hindered too. Some people might come up to me and say, Pastor, I just don't know what's going on with me. I don't know what's wrong. Well, I might not know every little detail of that, but I'll tell you right now, I've learned this. If you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart, you're going to be miserable. Why? Because the Bible says it's hindering your relationship with the Lord Jesus. How in the world can we know we've been forgiven and we can't forgive others? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not talking easy stuff. I'm telling you right now, we don't wake up every morning wanting to forgive people that's hurt us. But that's a spiritual work. And as you yield to the Lord, He'll help us. And we must forgive. But I'm going to tell you something else I've learned. And another reason I wanted to bring this message this morning. We were sitting at a prayer breakfast the last month. And Brother Larry Sexton got to talking. And he was sharing some things. And here's what he said. He made a statement. He said, I'm going to tell you what else is tough. What's tough is to be able to forgive yourself. That's true, isn't it? And the devil loves for you not to forgive yourself. And the devil loves for you. See, we have sometimes an easier, it's easier for us to release others from something than we release ourselves from. But if we truly believe thy sins are forgiven, we would not walk around in defeat. By the way, I'm not worthy of forgiveness, but I thank God He is. February the 24th, 2005, just days after the head-on crash that killed their three sons. Nathan and Connie Backstrom did something most people would consider remarkable. They forgave the person responsible. Matthew, Jacob, and Justin Backstrom died after a man, 22 at the time of the accident, swerved into their car on a dark two-lane road. He apparently was using a cell phone and had been drinking that night. This young man, and I quote from the father of these three deceased boys, this young man has consequences for his actions, and so I can forgive him because my God has forgiven me. Nathan Boxstrom said days after the accident, here's what he said, it is my duty as a Christian, I can't live the rest of my life carrying that anger. Listen to me. You might think that's weak, that's powerful. He had enough spiritual sense about him that he was not going to allow some mistake and some sin of somebody else destroy his life. And by the way, you say, Pastor, are you preaching to me? No, listen to me. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. I think some people have this idea that there are some people that are just so spiritually spiritual that they don't have the same feelings you have. Listen to me. We all have the same tendencies. Do you know what my fatherly tendency is? I'd find this man and they wouldn't have to arrest him. That's my fleshly tendency. 
But who's that going to help? That's going to keep me in prison the rest of my life and my children without a father and my grandchildren without a grandfather. Somebody say amen. So a lot of times how we handle things is we make things worse. I wish to God that we all could be, and I don't know this man, but I know it's a true story. I wish to God that all of us would be as spiritual as Mr. Bikstrom. Back to the story we started with. That woman on that plane? True story. Those 63 cardiologists helped her. Saved her life. They were able to get her to the airport. They rushed her to a hospital and she had surgery and she lives today. What if that woman would have told those doctors no? What if that woman would have refused the help that those doctors could have given her? She could have said something like, I really don't need it. Or she could have said, I'll be okay. Here's the good one. She could have said, oh, I'll deal with it later. Oh, this heart attack thing, it's really not all that bad. No, she had to accept the help. She had to surrender herself so their knowledge and expertise could help her. Here's a big one. She had to humble herself to admit that she needed help. Most of all, she just had to really trust the doctors. And this morning when it's all wrapped up in a pretty little bow, that's basically what it is too. We must trust the doctor, the great physician. He says, thy sins are forgiven. In 1830, George Wilson was arrested for mail theft and sentenced to execution by hanging. President Andrew Jackson granted him a pardon. But he refused to accept it. Should Wilson be freed or hanged? Chief Justice John Marshall issued on this decision. Quote, A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. Verse 50. The sinful woman (laughs) placed her faith in Jesus and got a pardon. That moved Jesus to forgive her sins. And she left with complete peace as she walked away. Where are you at today? The message for the one that's lost, you need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that can happen is by trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. By faith, you trust Him. And He'll forgive you of your sins. And you can enter into a wonderful relationship with the Lord Jesus. There's nothing like it. For that one, you say, Pastor Mark, I'm already saved. All right, well, the application to you then is, are you a forgiver? What a hypocrite. We all are. 
to accept. Thy sins are forgiven, Mark, and not forgive others. I believe great revival would take place if Christians would live like a Christian. And start acting like this world has never seen. Amen. Thy sins are forgiven. Let's stand on our feet. Where are you at? Where are you? Who are you in this story? Are you the woman? By the way, I'd rather be the woman than the man in this story. Where are you at? See, here's what's powerful about a message. It's it's the message, it's the truth. But here's the most powerful thing. What do we do with it? What do we do with it? Doesn't do us any good to say, oh, that was good, or that kept me busy for 45 minutes. What makes it powerful is what we do with it. The application's clear. I'm going to give the invitation this way in two parts. Number one, listen to me. If your sins are not forgiven, he wants to forgive them. He'll save you today. I don't care what you've done, who you are, it doesn't matter. He'll save you. Number two, if you are forgiven, you've been saved, but you're not being a forgiver, God can help you with that too. Let's let God help us, amen? With head bowed and eyes closed, would you be honest? There's no one looking around. I'm going to ask this question. How many of you, with uplifted hand, by way of testimony, say, Pastor Mark, I know I don't deserve it, but I know that there has, there's been a time in my life that I did accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've trusted Him, and I know that He has forgiven me of my sins, and I am a child of God. You say, I'm thankful for that. Would you, by way of testimony, slip up your hand? Isn't that a blessing? Amen. Now, could I ask, would you be honest? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. But boy, I sure would like for my sins to be forgiven. He'll forgive you, I promise. You say, Pastor Mark, that's me this morning. I don't know for sure, but I sure would like for you to pray for me. Would you just pray for me? Would you slip your hand up a little where I can just see your hand? Would you just let me see it just a moment? Sure, anyone? Can I ask this question? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be honest. I needed this message because I've been letting some things get to me and I've been getting bitter. I've been getting struggling and I just needed this message to realize my sins have been forgiven so I can have the right attitude towards others. How many of you know it was for you today? Would you raise your hand? Isn't that a blessing? God bless you. God bless you all over the place. They're going to begin to play if you feel led, you come, find a place here at this altar and pray. If not, find a place there at your pew. Let's ask God to help us. Thy sins are forgiven. Four life-changing words.
want to just testify a moment this morning. I don't normally do, but boy, I'm, th- I'm thankful I'm saved. <laughs> I'm glad He loves me with an everlasting love. How about you? I'm glad He has forgiven me of my sin. And by the way, there are many too. But I thank God He loves us. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Lord, I pray you'd break through. Lord, I'm afraid we've become so robotic in our Christian lives. Lord, the message like yesterday, there ought to be There ought to be people just like this woman, so overly joyful that you saved somebody like us. Lord, I don't know if it's just because of, we think because we're in a building or in a place that we can't show some type of just thankfulness. Lord, you tell us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to let this become a reality to us that even though our sins are many, you've forgiven us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help allow us to allow the Holy Spirit to be our preacher all day long. And we can rejoice in the fact what you've done for us and help us never to get over it. And we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said. I want to just quickly tell you tonight, you don't want to miss the wise wife of a fool. That's going to be the message tonight. So all you ladies, you need to show up tonight. Amen. The wise wife of a fool. God bless you. Have a great day. All of you visiting with